Hey everybody, Pastor Dan here. January is Stewardship Month at Brockport First Baptist. Whether you're a long-term member of our church or someone who's new, we'd ask that you consider supporting the work we do financially. You can give a one-time donation and set up automatic giving through our website, brockportfirstbaptist.org give. And if you're someone who already supports us financially, we'd love for you to turn in a pledge card to help us plan and budget for the year ahead. Pledge cards are being mailed out in mid-January, and they are due back at church by the end of the month. Thank you so much for your support. Enjoy this week's recording. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, page 885 in your pew Bibles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. The word of God for the people of God. God. Thanks for that reading, Shauna. Let's hear for Shauna for nailing all those place names. That was awesome. I wasn't even sure how to say some of those, so. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Before we get into the sermon, just a little housekeeping on the teaching front. Um, A couple weeks ago, we started our series on the book of Acts, Um, but then last week, as you all know, we had to cancel worship because it was a whiteout here in Brockport. Um, So I recorded last Sunday's sermon, and we emailed that out uh, to everyone who gets our newsletter. If you miss that and you want to catch it, it's on the sermon page of our website. Um, All that to say, if it feels like we're skipping part of Acts, that's What's happening? There is a sermon out there in the ether somewhere. Uh, You just have to go find it if you want to hear it. For today, though, we're going to plow straight ahead, and we're going into Acts chapter 2, and we're talking about Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. If you grew up in church, you might be familiar with Pentecost, uh, especially if you were raised Catholic or Lutheran, Episcopalian, the the high church traditions that really do a great job of celebrating all the holy days. But for those of us who weren't raised in church, or maybe if you grew up in a Baptist church, you might be sitting here thinking, what's a Pentecost, (laughs) right? Um, Pentecost is a holiday. It's typically in late May or June, 
It's the Greek name for the Jewish festival of Shavuot. Let me hear you all say Shavuot. Shavuot. Hannah, how's my pronunciation? Did I nail it? Nice, awesome. Um, Shavuot, also called the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament, it's one of the holiest days in the Hebrew calendar. It celebrates the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Do you guys remember the part where Charlton Heston goes up on the mountain, right, and he gets, he gets the, two, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments? That was on Shavuot. That's what this holiday commemorates. The Israelites had just escaped slavery in Egypt. Pharaoh's army just drowned in the sea. The Israelites are wandering through the wilderness following a pillar of fire in the sky that leads them to this mountain. Suddenly there's this huge rush of wind as the Spirit of God settles on the top of the mountain. That's when Moses goes up on the mountain, receives the law, presents the law to the people, and they pledge to follow the law and to follow God. That is Pentecost or Shavuot. It's really the birthday of Israel as a nation. It's when these people become a people. It's, it's almost like the anniversary of God and Israel. That's what's going on uh, with Shavuot, which makes it really appropriate that Pentecost is also the birthday of the church. The followers of Jesus are all together in one place. We know from Acts chapter 1, they, they number about 120 at this point, so it's a ragtag bunch of folks. All of a sudden, the room is filled with this rushing wind the same wind that blew on Mount Sinai. Remember how the Israelites followed a pillar of fire in the sky? Well, these first Christians each receive a tongue of fire, a tiny little micro pillar of fire that settles over each one of them as they receive the Spirit of God. And then the Holy Spirit stirs in them and they start to speak in other languages, languages they didn't know before. They go out and there's all these visitors in Jerusalem, pilgrims, Jewish folks from, from all over the world who have come to town for the festival. All of a sudden, these visitors hear these followers of Jesus speaking in their own native languages. And remember, these Christians are from Galilee, right? They're like, they're like backwoods hicks who probably barely speak their own language. And now all of a sudden, they are speaking all these other languages, fluent Arabic, Parthian, Egyptian, Greek, Latin coming out of their mouths. Many in the crowd are amazed by this. Some would even go on to join this new Jesus movement, while others dismiss it, saying they must be drunk. They've been hitting the wine a little early. What a fascinating story. Pentecost is a miracle. It's uh, supernatural, mysterious, otherworldly. This stuff doesn't normally happen, which means that as modern readers, we don't really know what to do with stories like these. We don't know how to handle all the magic. We read about Pentecost, and it's like, well, that's nice. That would have been something to see. It's too bad, it's too bad God doesn't work like that anymore. In, like, nerdy theology circles, Pentecost is something people will debate over. Uh, you hear debates over whether or not the gift of tongues is still a thing. Does the Holy Spirit still work in this way, or was that something for its time? Either way, it, it doesn't usually have much to say about how we actually live as followers in Jesus today. 
I think we miss something really profound if we dismiss this story as a miracle or if we treat it as a theology debate. That is not what Pentecost is about. In fact, I believe that this story has something incredibly beautiful and compelling to say to us if we're ready to hear it and receive it. I'm curious, quick poll by show of hands, how many of us can speak another language? Like, like maybe you're not fluent, but you, you, could, you could get by. You know some words, you know some phrases. Okay, that's a number of us, a, f- a few of us. Not, not the majority, typical Americans. Um, but, but we've got some folks in here who can speak in other tongues, which is awesome. Um, I took six years of German in public school because, you know, that's a useful language. <laughs> German. A um, lot of opportunities to use that one. With six years under my belt, you would think that I would be fluent I am not. Um, I've lost most of it. The stuff I remember is, is silly stuff. Uh, I, can, I can say things like, Ich habe eine Frage. I have a question. Um, Wo ist der Bleistift? Where is the pencil? Right? Like, like classroom stuff that is completely useless in actual conversation. What's that? Oh, ich liebe dich too? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, my, my German's useless. Um, there's something, though, about learning another language. When you learn a language, you are really learning a culture. You're learning a people. You become fascinated by their history, their art, the food. I still get way too excited if I ever have schnitzel, right? Or like like pretzels. Who doesn't love a good pretzel? This is actually one of the things I love about my wife. Um, If you know my wife, if you've met Aaron, Uh, You might know that her passion in life is travel. The woman lives to travel. She loves exploring new places, learning about them, researching the customs, the culture, learning a few phrases in the language, whether it's uh, Thailand, Costa Rica, France. The woman loves France. She is drawn to these places, and I love to witness it. I love to watch her plan and organize. I, like, I love getting dragged along to all the, the centers and the sites. I love watching my wife fall in love with a place, a culture, and the people. To learn the language of a people is to fall in love with a people. That's the miracle of Pentecost. In this event, the Holy Spirit is sending the Christians out into the world. They receive the ability to speak new languages so they can proclaim the gospel in those languages. That's true. That's like the, the utility of it. But there's more going on here. God is moving them to fall in love with a people who are not their own. The Holy Spirit is tearing down the barrier of language so that these followers of Jesus can love other people the way Jesus does. That's the gift of tongues. The way the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to give us a love for the other, a people who aren't like us, who aren't part of our group. Of course, when we talk about language and tongues, we do have to acknowledge that the church does not have a perfect track record on this front. We don't always love the other. It was white European Christians, my ancestors, who colonized the world. We cut it up, labeled it, 
divvied it out amongst ourselves. Um, it was Christians who decimated the native cultures of this land where we're all standing, erasing languages, annihilating populations, imposing our language on them. Christians did that. Colonialism is really a sort of um, perverse, inverted anti-Pentecost. Over the last few years, um, archaeologists and, and researchers have uncovered more than 200 unmarked graves near residential schools in Canada. Many of you have probably followed this story, seen this news. Um, these were church-run schools for indigenous kids, Native American kids. More than 150,000 Native American children were taken from their families and put into these schools by Christians, by us. As dark as all that history is, as terrible as the Christian legacy of colonialism is, one of the few little rays of light we find in all those stories has to do with language. The first Europeans, the, the first white people who really started to question this whole colonization thing were the translators. The ones who went in to learn the native languages so they could translate for the folks who came after them. It was the translators who were the first people, other than the native populations themselves, to speak up and say, this is not right. What we're doing to these people is wrong. We have so many records, so many testimonies of the translators saying that. They learned the language and they fell in love with the people. They became advocates. They learned to talk like they talk, to think like they think. It was the translators who were the first people to see native populations as human beings. And it's because of that shared language. To learn a language is to learn a culture and to fall in love with the people. What language is God calling you to learn? What language is God calling you to learn? To put it differently, what people group outside your own is God calling you to fall in love with? You could take this question very literally. Like we could actually talk about like literal language cultures. Um, is there a place in the world you've always wanted to go? Is there a culture you're fascinated by? You might not have the means to get there right now, and that's fine, but you can start cultivating your love for that people. Read up on the history of that place. Engage with their art and culture. Find a restaurant that serves their cuisine. Take a language class, or better yet, just go on YouTube and watch some videos to learn some basic words and phrases. It's free. Indulge that impulse. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Is there a part of the world that your heart breaks for? Maybe uh, you're moved by the persecution of Christians in places like Myanmar uh, or the war in Ukraine, the violence in Gaza. If the Holy Spirit is giving you compassion for a people, start feeding that compassion. Read a book by someone from that culture. Follow the news coming out of that part of the world. Read up on their history. Start to learn their language. Engage with the art food, and culture. My heart is broken right now over the conflict uh, in Israel and Gaza. 
I have always wanted to go to the Holy Land. I have always been fascinated by that part of the world. Um, And it's just been crushing to see not only the horrible violence of October 7th, but all the violence that has come after that. Innocent Palestinians who've died in rocket strikes. I've stopped watching the news because it's, it's just too disheartening. I can't take it. But a little over a month ago, I heard an interview with a rabbi out in Los Angeles named Sharon Browse. She is um, a rabbi with roots in Israel who is also calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. She defines herself as pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian. She pastors a progressive Jewish community in LA called Ikar. I've started listening to her sermons online every week, and it's been illuminating. It's, it's become really my main source of news about the conflict. Um, every week she unpacks the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, in a way that's geared toward lamenting the violence, the loss of life, and calling for peace. And I gotta tell you, listening to those sermons from another faith, focusing on a different part of the world, it's starting to deepen my love for the people of Israel and the people of Palestine. I feel like I'm starting to learn their language. This is just as applicable to our own context. There are plenty of communities right here in Brockport and Rochester outside of our own that we can learn from, listen to, and begin to fall in love with. Maybe you're worried about the migrant community here in Rochester. With the election coming, all the rhetoric heating up, You're worried about what's going to happen to our undocumented neighbors. Don't just doom scroll and binge cable news. Put your compassion into action. Now is the time to start learning Spanish, to start shopping in a Latin American grocery store. Read up on the policies, the activism that's happening locally. There is so much we can do and be involved in. Maybe you're worried about race relations in the United States and the state of our policing. Read some books by African-American authors. Listen to sermons from black churches, or better yet, go actually visit one of our African-American sister churches in Rochester. Maybe you need to listen to some hip-hop or read some poetry by black authors. Drive into the city, try a soul food restaurant. There's so much you can do to deepen your love and compassion to learn the language. The Holy Spirit is still sending us out into the world. It is still calling us to learn tongues that are not our own until we burn with that same love for these communities that God already has. I don't want to be a colonizer who imposes my language on others. I want to be a translator who actually learns their language and falls in love with the people. This is something we can also put into practice right here at our church. The church is a perfect place to sharpen our skills and begin to speak in new tongues. Maybe you're a younger person, and there's someone from an older generation who sits near you at church. You've seen each other. You've made awkward eye contact a couple times. Introduce yourself to them after worship today. Invite them to sit with you at the gathering table. If you have a lunch break uh, during the week, 
Mark your calendar for Thursday, February 8th. That's our next Lunch Bunch over at Pinewood, our monthly gathering for seniors. Come join us at that. I'll be there too. It's a blast. On the same note, if you're one of our more uh, seasoned church members, and there's a young person you've met at church a few times, maybe this is the week to say hi after church. Introduce yourself. Invite them to sit with you at the gathering table. Get to know them. Is God calling you to speak the language of teenagers? We have a youth group that meets Sunday nights here at church. Is God calling you to learn the babble of infants? We have a nursery here at church on Sunday mornings that needs volunteers. That impulse to explore a new place, learn a new language, connect with a new people, that is a holy impulse, you guys. It's from the Spirit of God. Don't sleep on it. Feed it. Indulge it. Pursue it. Follow that impulse until it bears fruit for God's kingdom. That's what it looks like to speak in new tongues. Let's pray. God, give us a passion that burns for a people who are not our own. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. Tear down any walls that prevent us from loving the people you are calling us to love. Empower us to speak in new tongues and let it be for your glory. Amen.